Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, by the way, have you seen Dominic Raab today said misogyny? Go, have you said, heard this? We've seen it, Maureen. We're all on the internet as well. <laughs> Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utter bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, Maureen Younger and the dashing, kind, charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. And we would just like to take this opportunity to say thank you to all of our patrons who have been with us on our journey with WTB. And we'd like to encourage you, please, if you have enjoyed us, sign up, get some extra bonus content. We would love to spend some more time with you. Weirdly, that isn't what Jen said to me when I left Brighton. Left her yesterday. She didn't say, oh, spend more time with me. But you're not a Patreon, Maureen. <laughs> I'm acutely aware that you don't pay me anything. That's not true. I bought you a pasty and a, a tea yesterday. Okay, well, it's not enough. I am acutely aware, Maureen, <laughs> that when you come to my house, you lie on the sofa and you don't move from the sofa. Maureen sees me running around all day. And at one point I said, listen, Maureen, I'm going to just pop out because I, I can't really remember what was happening. I had to go and do something because I'm a busy person. I said, you know, help yourself, make yourself a cheese sandwich, you know, help yourself to lunch. You know, there's stuff in the fridge, da, da, da. Come back. Has Maureen moved from the sofa? No, she hasn't moved from the sofa. I said, shall I, I'll make you a sandwich then, Maureen. She said, oh, yes, please. Can I have cheese sandwich? I said, right, okay. So I make Maureen a cheese sandwich. I thought, I think I'll see if she gets up. Nope, it doesn't get up. I walk over to Maureen with her cheese sandwich. Anything else you'd like? And you, I like looked at me as if to go, oh, let me have a think about it. I was like, clearly I'm joking. 
Oh, and then we went for a we went for a walk by the sea, uh, Alison, yesterday, and it was the sea was like breaking over the the walls. It was quite rough seas, and I went to talk about it. And, I, and instead of saying we were by the sea, you know, and Jen was doing this little thing where I was walking towards the waves, she go go back a bit, go back a bit as, as a laugh. I actually said, oh yeah, earlier Jen tried to get me wet. <laughs> yeah, as it came out, I was like, I don't even know what that means in relation to our friendship. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> anyway, we had to uh, explain. Uh, explain. Well, I mean, you know, Maureen didn't know that anything that had been said was wrong until I pointed it out. And Jen was trying to get me wet. Anyway, thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. So I've had Maureen with me for a few days, and it's been an absolute bloody joy to drive her to the station, actually, which is also <laughs> there's no walking for Maureen. No. Was it bad weather when you took her to the station? No, it was fine, actually, wasn't it? It was sunny and dry. Yeah. See, Maureen doesn't still get that connection. She's like, yeah, it was such a great weather. <laughs> no, it was a beautiful day. That's nothing to stop me from walking. But uh, <laughs> I noticed that Jen had taken her children swimming, come back, literally put her bag down. And then I said to her, Jen, take me to the station. And, and I looked into Jen's eyes and I saw a little flicker of something that was dangerous. But I didn't acknowledge it. And Jen... Drove me to the station. Is that what happened, Maureen? <laughs> yeah, but you'll forget there is a big hill to the station, isn't there? Yeah, but I mean, it's Brighton. <laughs> because let's go into this week. Let's just do our this weeks together because we actually spent time. We all spent time together. What I have learned about Maureen is uh, she really is a professional sleeper. She is a catnapper to the extreme because uh, we did a gig together on Sunday, bent double in, in Brighton with lovely gig, lovely gig, and Maureen. I uh, just took a little kip on the floor backstage in the green room. And every time comics came in, they were like, is she okay? I was like, she's in her happiest place ever. It's fine. Just let her be. Let her be. And she was out. Like, I was impressed. She was like, I think I might try to go. She. Uh, it was like before she could even finish the statement of giving it a go, she was in happy land. I was like, look at this. I did put cushions down. I was on cushions. So it wasn't just the floor. You were in not even what, I mean, it wasn't even a corridor. It's a very thin green room, isn't it? It's a very thin green People room. People had to step over her a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there's no means of being able to get to the toilet where you were lying, Maureen. Uh, so if people needed the toilet, they would have to, I don't know what, they'd have to cartwheel over you. But there was no couch and I, needed, I wanted to lie down. I don't want to sit on a chair, I want to lie. It's, it's normal, Maureen, in, when you leave the house and you're in a public space to lie down. It's absolutely, <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't for a second. Would you like a chair, madam? No. Uh, do you have a chaise long or some sort of mattress? It's Costa Coffee, love. We don't. <laughs> My mate who lives in France, does a, he's a good artist, had an exhibition and there was nowhere to sit. So I just lay on the floor of the exhibition. And it, honestly, people kept coming around to look because I think they thought I was kind of some art installation because I was just lying on the floor. But you say that, Maureen, as if that is weird that they did that. You don't think it's weird to just lie down in the middle of a floor in a public setting where people are, are, are walking and... I mean, what are you going to do? There's nowhere to sit. What are you going to do? Stand, Maureen. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> you're going to do what every adult up it, around the world does. Stand. Not just lie down in the middle of the art gallery. And then... <laughs> And then be like, and you're not going to believe this. People were like just getting antsy about it, <laughs> stepping over me. What's their problem? 
asking, is she okay? Is she okay? I was in a space. I was in her little space. She had a little booth. So I was lying in the booth. I wasn't lying like on the on the pathway. Ah, okay. Oh, well, that makes a bit more sense, Maureen. Not much more sense, but it does make a bit more sense. Look, it's okay, Maureen. You do you. We wouldn't want it to be any other way, to be honest. <laughs> hey, how, how was Aberystwyth? How did that go, Jen? Well, I was longer travelling to Aberystwyth than I was in Aberystwyth. So <laughs> if that tells you anything about how far away that place is. And then she came back and catered to us, picked us up from the gig, drove us back to her house, gave us food and beverage, then woke up the next morning. By the way, made a banging scrambled egg. Jen, I didn't praise you enough for your scrambled eggs at your house. You are good at making scrambled eggs. Oh, you're very welcome. The thing is, don't people cook scrambled eggs to within an inch of their life, so they're like dry, like powdered eggs. You've got to have a little bit of like moisture there. Don't overcook your eggs. And then I gave Alison a sort of uh, some avocado. I chopped up some tomatoes. I gave her a coffee with a little bit of foam on top. It was, it was, it was like you were in a cafe, wasn't it? And then Maureen, what did you have? I don't know, some boiled egg or something. Maureen already at that point had had crumpets. Uh, then I made her fruit toast. Bearing in mind, at no point does Maureen get up. Then I make her a boiled egg. She had cereal earlier on. Yeah, because I got up with the kids and I got yeah, up. She did get up with the kids. You were a good person. You were. You were very good, actually. The children love you. Same mentality. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> I didn't tell but um, you, Alison, but when the children came home, Maureen was having a sleep and they were like, are Maureen and Alison here? And we said, oh, well, Maureen's upstairs. Uh, but unfortunately, Alison's gone home. And they're like, oh, when's Alison coming to stay again? Aww. So they missed you. And with Maureen, they went, why is Maureen always sleeping? <laughs> always sleeping. <laughs> anyway, it, it was lovely to have you both in the house. And I very much enjoyed your company. Um, so th- thank thank you. <laughs> really convincing she's she's tired after all the serving she's just done for the last three days yeah honestly i'm just really still recovering from my journey from aberystwyth honestly i mean seven and a half hours to get there and then you've got to do your show yeah and then of course you've got to have a drink afterwards haven't you that'd be absurd not to but then you've got to get up early the next day bang back in fact i I know Angela Barnes doesn't listen to this podcast, but I'd just like to thank Angela Barnes because she drove me home and she made the journey back absolutely dreamy. We stopped off, I got a coffee, we chatted, we, we set the world to rights. Ah, and that and it was five hours drive instead of seven and a, or what was going to be close to eight hours if I got the train. So literally, Angela, I love you. And this I'm dedicating this episode to Angela Barnes. I second that. One of the nicest people in comedy. Isn't she's she? a dream. She would make five hours go so quickly because she's a delight. She's a bloody dream, that Barnsey. Anyway, we've all had the best of weeks. What else can we possibly say? <laughs> I'll tell you what we can say. Oh, God, Maureen. I, I, I know what your beam with Maureen is, and so does Alison. Let's hear about it. I'd managed to block myself as a spam sender. <laughs> I chose my own number and my own contact to block. <laughs> oh my God, Maureen, I don't understand. I mean, I understand, but I don't understand. I've got to shut this down now. I've got to shut it down. Well, after we got back, uh, Jen picked us up from the gig. We had a bit of a, a, bit of a few drinks, a, bit of a few nibbles. We were talking about 
love lives and stuff. Because, oh, yeah, because uh, I, I bumped into an ex and I got a letter, emails from two other exes. So it was a funny week. But um, I'm talking about sex and I was talking about the H spot. And uh, you're so bad at telling stories, Maureen. <laughs> I absolutely, what you've done again is you've started the story with the punchline. I don't understand. As a as a comedian, you don't start with the punchline. You end with the punchline. Okay, look, stop talking. Here we go. Here's what happened. We're talking about ex-partners, right? We're talking about ex-partners and love lives. Anyway, so Maureen is talking about this bloke that, that she hooked up with. And he was a lot younger than her at the time. Maureen was obviously 38 still. She doesn't. She's never not 38. And anyway, this chap was in his 20s. I, I understand it. Very beautiful. We saw a photograph of him. We all agreed he's hot stuff. Okay. Very sexy guy. Anyway, Maureen was wanging on about how incredible this I don't even like to say it. Let's say coupling and how much she had enjoyed this coupling with this chap. Okay. <laughs> to the point where I was starting to dry rich. Oh yeah. Okay? Uh, 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 Jane was not enjoying it. She was going, can you please stop talking now? Maureen? Well, at one point Maureen said, I mean, you should have seen him at one point. She said, right, there's me, Alison and Chloe. So she said, she said, uh, she said, oh, uh, you know, he, uh, he went to the toilet when he came back, he didn't have any clothes on. I was just lying there dribbling. So of course I went, Oh, oh, Maureen, for the love of God, that is disgusting. Please stop talking. And you're like, and Maureen's like, but what, what, why, why? And I said, I do not want to know about how your, your, your bloody vagina dribbling. And then Maureen said, I wasn't talking about my vagina, you idiot. I was talking about... But listen, if you're going to say that there's, you're feeling aroused by a man and you're lying there dribbling, of course I'm going to go straight to your, your wigwam. Well, I mean, that's just something about you. That's the same about every woman. That's what happens. You get aroused and your bits and bobs have a little wet patch. Drool. Not when you're, not when you're in your 40s. <laughs> well, hopefully in your early 40s, you, st- you can still produce a snail trap. I didn't mean it like you thought I meant it. I meant from your mouth. And Jen was like, can you please stop? talking and I was like, well anyway I said to Warren please stop talking for the love of God I mean I, I, I it's too much she goes what why why do I listen all I'm saying is I I just love being with a man that could find my H spot and we said I'm sorry what are you talking about Jen and I looked at each other first like H spot <laughs> have we been missing out on something all these years the H spot. And I was very adamant, wasn't I? Because I was getting very annoyed. I was like, H spot, you're H spot. And I, I was like, I really didn't understand what we were saying. I said, Do you mean H sport? H port? What are you talking about? And Maureen was going, I, I've just said to you, you're H spot. You know, he can, he, he can. Chloe at this point went, Sorry, Maureen, do you mean your G spot? <laughs> and that is. Exactly <laughs> what she Next. meant, everyone. Yeah, but it was only one letter out, wasn't I? Yeah, but it's not a thing. <laughs> it's not a real thing. And also, you sent Jen and I into a real tizzy, thinking we've missed out on these fucking H spot excitements. Anyway, Maureen, <laughs> I'm so glad that he found your H spot. Yeah, so was I several times. <laughs> to be honest, it made it easier to digest that whole story. What I imagine to your H spot instead of your G spot. For all our listeners, we want to we want please put out a rumor that there's an H spot out there. Let's see, let's see if anyone finds an H spot. If you can find your H spot, do let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, do please email. Email. We've been talking bollocks at gmail.com and tell us about your H spot. Don't do not, do not use God. the word dribble. Do not use the word.
You know, that was my favorite Be More Maureen moment because we were all there together and it genuinely, like it happened in front of us and it was just fun to be a part of it. You're absolutely right. But let's keep it, let's keep these moments to a minimum. Okay. Um, (laughs) Thank you very much, Maureen, for almost telling that story correctly. I did have to save it at the end. But as always, you never let us down with your Be More Maureen moments. But now it's time to head over to the woman that knows everything about everything. It's time to ask Allison. Go to the gym, get it together, pay your taxes and stop eating chips. Take my advice. Take my advice. I ain't using it. Hey. All right. Well, first off, you know, I never say this at the beginning, but I just, <laughs> I know it's going to come as a real shock, everyone, but I am not a professional therapist. All right. I am not a professional. <laughs> Let me just put this out there. Uh, what I am is a human who likes to hear about problems, likes to read about them, likes to think about them, likes to investigate them. So I am just one opinion out there that, that you can you can ask. So just so you know, I am, I am not a professional. This week, though, a problem that got sent in that I personally really was grateful it got sent in, and I think a lot of us can relate to it, is how do I get over my imposter syndrome? Mm, imposter syndrome, feeling as though you are not actually able or, or that you're fooling people in regards to the job that you're doing or, or what's going on. That is what the imposter syndrome is, is, is feeling as though you are not actually capable, but you're, you're just fooling everyone and getting through it. So how, do I, how does one get over their imposter syndrome? Well, first off, I want you to know you are not alone. Seven out of 10 people on a daily basis are struggling with imposter syndrome. And in fact, I thought this was interesting, ladies. Imposter syndrome was originally identified in high-achieving women who felt that they were not deserving of the credit they were receiving back many years ago, which doesn't surprise me because, you know, we got into the labor force and we kicked ass and then uh, we're probably made to feel less than. So that is where it started. But now imposter syndrome is rampant in men and women uh, or non-binary. It's it's rampant in everyone. So imposter syndrome. So the way to stop feeling like an imposter is to stop thinking like one. There we go. There is my kickoff for the moment. Feelings are the last thing to change. And so you're feeling like an imposter syndrome. That, that will be the hardest thing to switch. So what you need to do is to start thinking beyond your feelings. Okay? Basically, it's trying to change the script or the cognitive restructuring of your brain and what's going on in your head by first catching it and identifying it. So the fact that you go, God, I'm struggling with my imposter syndrome, you are already on the road to beating it because a true imposter would not have these thoughts. So good for you for identifying it. Examples of ways to like kind of change it in your head. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not easy, but we have to start somewhere. So let's say you think to yourself, oh, something good happened in my job. It's luck. It's just luck. I I was lucky. No, you worked hard in the past to create the situation that got you that said luck. So it was your hard work that got you to that point. These are the thoughts that you need to start putting into place into your head when you have these thoughts. Let's say at work, you're like, God, everyone here is brilliant, but not me. No, 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 no. Change the script again. Everyone here is brilliant, 
And I'm so fortunate to be in an environment where I'm going to learn so much from these people. All right? Changing the script in our head. That is what's important. Also, separating your feelings from facts. Just because you feel a certain way does not mean that is the actual reality. Again, remember, feelings are the last thing to change. So separate feelings from facts. What you are saying in your head is not the reality, but it is if you keep letting that rhetoric go on and on again in your head. Another big, big step in helping to to get rid of imposter syndrome is you have to start visualizing seeing yourself being a success. I mean, actually seeing it in your head. What do you want to have happen? See it. And then also take time to record your daily successes. I think all too often we are quick to remember all the bad crap that happens or all the mistakes that we made. We very rarely take a moment to go, hey, I did a good job at this. So I think basically if everyone took the time to reflect on their day and go, I had success at this. I did this correctly. You would be amazed at how quickly those positive thoughts start to counteract the negative self-talk that we have going on in our head. Which brings me to fake it till you make it. All right? You have to be going through it and believing or at least trying to change your thoughts and going, no, I deserve this. I am capable of this. Because if you do not do that, you will be afraid to take on new opportunities and risks for fear of failure. And that just feeds into the imposter syndrome. Life is about taking the chances. There is no failure. There is only learning. Okay? So you have to take new chances and not doubt yourself. The only way you're going to grow is by doing something different and learning. And you know that when imposter syndrome creeps up, it's probably because you are growing and you are pushing yourself. So embrace that imposter feeling and use it as an indicator that you are growing. That is my advice for this week. <clears throat> Alison, thank you very much indeed. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have got a very annoying cough. Apologies. I thought I was on mute, but I'd actually unmuted myself and was just coughing. <laughs> just. <laughs> I just looked at when and went to unmute myself and I wasn't actually on mute. So I've just been coughing. So I apologize. Um, <clears throat> thank you very much, Alison. That was very good advice. I think, I don't really know many, and I'm going to say particularly women of our age that don't have some form of imposter syndrome. I am very encouraged to see young women in their 20s and early 30s that seem to have, particularly in our industry, less of that. But I think women of our our age, it seems to be very common to, for us to feel like we're not, that we don't deserve the job or we can't do the job. Or... And I think in Britain also it's a class thing. I think it tends to be more working class people who kind of think, oh, do I deserve to be here? Where I think people from more affluent backgrounds, shall we say, tend to assume that the doors should open. They've got a sense of entitlement. So they assume the doors will open because the doors always have opened for them. So they don't have that kind of imposter syndrome, even if they have less talent. Absolutely. There's no question that that has a huge part to play as well. And I think that, um, you know, if you go to, particularly if you've been privately educated, you know, you're going to have a very different attitude to what the world, what opportunities are available to you. Because I think a lot of the time when we think about you know, imposter syndrome or, or what we can and can't do. It, you know, class isn't really about money as much as it is about opportunity and choices. And when you come from a middle class or an upper middle class background, as Maureen said, the world is your oyster. 
and you have all these choices. But when you come from a, a background where you don't have those opportunities, you feel limited. So you limit yourself. You go, oh, I can't do that. I'll never get that. There's no point in me doing that. Why would I, why would I even bother? Do you know what I find irritating when you get like sons or daughters of famous people and they always go, well, yeah, they opened the door for me, but I had to do the work afterwards. And you think it's the opening of the door that's the hardest bit. 100%. People spend years and years trying to get that door open. You know what? And the fact that you think that's the, you know, that's nothing just says something about your attitudes. I remember uh, when I went to the memorial for Nigel Hawthorne, who was a very great actor, he did Yes Minister in this country, Alison, and he got his break after 21 years, after 21 years, you know, and that's that's how long it can take. It can take decades to get your break, if you get it at all. So it's the opening of the doors. And I think if, you've, if you're used to people opening the doors for you, then you have that certain confidence, that certain, you know, it's a bit like uh, comics, female comics. I mean, it's it's different now, but you know, when it, when you used to do, have to do your open spots at the big clubs, not only as a female comic did you have to do well, you had to storm it. Because if you just went, if you did okay, they just assume you were an okay comic. Was if a bloke did okay, they go, oh, we'll give him another chance. He just had an okay gig. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. But I do, I do think that retraining of your brain. That's if you can. That CBT is what you need, isn't it? That's basically what you're saying is retraining the way you think and retraining your brain to think differently. I think that is, if you're at that point, which certainly I know I was at, at, at various different points in my life, is, is having to just make my brain think differently to think, oh, just look, just go for it. Just You can do this. Or the way I was doing it, it was always to compartmentalise everything. So I have to focus on something very small because the second I sort of expanded that out, that horizon out, it, it would overwhelm me and I'd go, oh, what if I got this? I'd be rubbish rather than just look at this tiny little thing that you're doing right now. See if you can achieve that. Once you get that, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Because I think also the other thing is when you see people that have got some success, you assume that they just sort of, ah, I just wandered in and I got it and I had it and I achieved it and I'm amazing. When actually, if this helps anybody at all listening, I'd love you to know this. It's taken me decades and for many years, I had terrible imposter syndrome and I genuinely self-sabotaged lots of opportunities that I could have been you know really helped me because of that so it was all about having to make myself think differently and it took years and now obviously I think I mean I mean I'm amazing and I'm an incredible human being you're unstoppable and you're modest as well which I think is a really lovely combination that's just actually my best quality more and thank you for noticing that <laughs> Alison, thank you very much for your advice. Great advice as always. I hope whoever's written in that that has helped you. That is our it, um, that is our intention. <laughs> um, well, it's not my intention. I, it's Alison's intention. I'm just here, <laughs> just showboating on the back of Alison June Smith's talent as a <laughs> agony aunt. You're welcome. Boy, you look surprised that you're here. I've just woken up. And yet she still has applied mascara and lipstick. I just want to point It's called being professional, Alison. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. What is the show called? Oh, yeah, I've got it. We've been talking bollocks. Yeah. Okay. Is everyone happy with that? <laughs> Let's think about television. What have we all been watching? Well, I actually, this week, went to the cinema. Ooh. What did you eat? That's the first thing I want to ask you. What did you have to eat at the cinema? Oh, I had a, like a Sainsbury's £3.50. So a ham and cheese sandwich. So you didn't buy something at the cinema? No, it's cheaper in the supermarket. Are you an idiot? Have you met Maureen Younger? I'm not going to pay over the top. No, go to the supermarket, get your food in early. Bought some scotch eggs, you'll be pleased to know, 12 mini scotch eggs. Why would I be pleased to know that, Maureen? <laughs> egg has got protein, that's what I'm saying. Listen, I don't even want to talk to you about scotch eggs and the nutritional value that is in one of those, of which there is none, Maureen, let alone if you eat 12 of them. You'd be pleased to know I ate something with no nutritional value. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted, Lauren. Do carry on. <laughs> anyway, I went to see James Bond. No time to die. And how was your sleep during that, Maureen? <laughs> I was sitting up, though. I didn't lie down. You'll be pleased to know. Woo-hoo. I was sitting in it quite a comfy chair. Uh, I did fall asleep when... Blo- it's not given away, but Blowfield and Bond meet. I mean, when don't they? And Blowfield was coming towards uh, Bond. And that's all I remember. And the next thing there was loud music and then I woke up. So I missed, I think, one or two important plot points because I was asleep. And I, I woke up and thought, oh, just rewind it. Because I'm used to being on, watching the TV. I was like, oh, I can't rewind it. It's, it's not TV. It's long. It's, it's, I say it's a game of two halves. Basically, you've got, you've got the Bond violence, you know, so like, you know, where he's surrounded by six baddies with machine guns and they all miss. You know, and then he jumps off a bridge, you know, that kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. realistic violence that, you know, classic Bond violence. But then obviously they're making Bond this more, this more deeper character. I mean, and, 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 you know, Daniel Craig is a great actor, but it's like it kind of kind of jars a bit with the fact you've got this kind of comic cartoon, comic violence, if you if you see what I mean. Um, also, I think the villains like the same Christopher Fouts and, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name that plays the baddie in this. They're both really good actors, but the baddies are just... I find a bit boring. They, I think you need like a kind of slightly over the, more over-the-top character. And also it'd be quite nice in this day and age if they could make the baddies either not disabled or disfigured. I mean, that seems to be the, the trope. And you, I know it's a trope from Bond movies, but it'd be like, th- this is something we could move away from, surely, couldn't we? Because it's not just the baddie, but his head honcho is, is disabled. And it's just like, oh, really? There's a new woman, I've forgotten her name. She's great as the 00 character. She was the 007 that was stepping in for him while he was on, on furlough, actually. He was on furlough. I could see him doing a spin-off with her. She's very good. And there's uh, the woman who was with him in Knives Out, 
She's great. She has a very small cameo role. She's only in it for three or four minutes as this assassin in an evening gown in high heels. Well done, love. But she's very funny in it. And I could have, I would have liked to have seen more of her. She was, she was fantastic. Would you recommend it? Um, do you know, I don't know. I grew up in the generation where everybody went to see a Bond movie. Yeah, same, same. They're on telly all the time, weren't they? I feel like it, I've got to go, you know, when it's the next Bond movie, I've got to go and, and watch it. So, yeah, it's it's a bit, there are some jokes. I mean, there's one or two jokes. There's a trope on the tropes. There's one in particular, which is very, very funny. But it, it, it does, lacks a bit of humour. And obviously they're cutting down on his love life because he's a new new man. So, yeah, I think they're, they're in that difficult situation that they're trying to modernise it, but obviously try to keep the tropes. There's a lot of references to Her Majesty's, on Her Majesty's Service which was the last time they really tried to give Bond some depth. And unfortunately, it was played by George Lazenby, so it was a bit of a failure. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's worth seeing, I suppose, if you, if you like Bond. Yes, I mean, I have issues with Bond. The stuff that you used to watch as a child, you, you know, the stuff with Sean Connery and there's certain scenes where you're like, well, that's, that's sexual assault, actually, mate, because she said no. You know, there's certain scenes where you sort of go, when people say it's of its time, it genuinely is of its time, and that is a time that we have decided was a pile of shit for women, okay? What, what was that character, Pussy Galore, who's a lesbian but got turned by Sean Connery? By Bond. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, by Bond, by Bond. But, but, but basically got turned by having sex with her against her will. And then she was like, oh, I'm not a lesbian anymore. Anyway, whatever, look. We understand what Bond is. We all understand what Bond is, and trying to modernize it is going to be tricky because the thing about Bond is that he was a psychopath who didn't care about anyone or anything and was just going about his business as a secret agent. He wasn't somebody that had heartfelt feelings for women. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't. He used them when he wanted them and he dropped them when he didn't. So it's quite difficult because then what you're doing is you're creating a completely different character. Yeah, and you're completely different genre. And so I think that that's the problem. You've got because you've got that cartoon violence, and you've got this because he's making a more realistic, you know, character with more depth. And it kind of is trying to marry the two. It's a mixed bag. But you know what? If you want a bit of high camp entertainment plus some weird naturalism that jars with it, go watch 007. Thank you, Maureen. That's very good uh, recommendation. Um, and also, we haven't had a movie like a cinema. Like when I don't think we've ever. That, that might be the first one. No, I think that's the first one. <laughs> well done for Papa Mercury. That was the wrong uh, <laughs> analogy to use. So, <laughs> so, what have you been watching, Jen? I finished Nine Perfect Strangers. Oh, was that good? <laughs> she said she finished it. <laughs> when you use the word finish, <laughs> it's a journey. It was a trek that was completed. <laughs> Is that? It was a thing that I watched. I didn't not enjoy it. I need to make that clear. I didn't not enjoy it. And I watched it to the end. So that'll tell you that. Because if I don't like something, I stop watching it. it it's, just, it's just not brilliant. And with all of the breadth of tar- talent that is on that show, you, you kind of want it to be brilliant. And it just isn't. And the ending is tied up way too it's way like into a little bow and you know i i mean you know to the point of like come on guys what is this fantasy but maybe but maybe that's what we all need we maybe we all need a little bit of that and it is based on a book so you know maybe that's what the book did i don't know but if you're looking for something that's quite sort of i wouldn't say it's superficial but you know it doesn't it's not like it's not going to it's not taxing for you to watch then i would recommend nine perfect strangers and it's on amazon prime and aside from that, I have jumped on the proverbial 
bandwagon of squids and I'm watching squid. Is that right? Correct. I'm watching squid game. It's so good. It's so good. I loved it. Okay. So I've only just started it. I've literally just started it. So on a, a train journey back where I missed my train, I, 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 I had a gig on Monday, missed my train and then was stuck at Victoria station for 45 minutes. So I thought, bloody hell, I've got to do something. So I watched the first episode of squid game while I was sat at Victoria station and then I thought, oh, God, this is quite good. I think Chloe's going to like this and she'll be cross if I watch it on my own. So then I watched the episode again with Chloe. So I've watched episode one twice. Oh, you're really in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the moment, I don't really know what it's about. I mean, the first episode is kind of like the Hunger Games. and But I know it's going to go... I know it's going to go sideways into a completely different direction, but I have absolutely no idea what direction that is. And I am enjoying it and... I just haven't seen enough of it to, to give any comment on it. But the fact that I think it is internationally, I think it's number, I think it's in the charts in the UK, but internationally across the globe, it's the most watched Netflix show. Am I right in saying it's the most watched is, Netflix yeah. show yeah. Uh, ever made? So um, I feel really quite unique in that I'm also <laughs> uh, watching it. Would you recommend it? On the first episode? Yeah, I would. I have watched it in Korean with subtitles, which is what I did when I watched it by myself. And with Chloe, we watched it dubbed. And actually, I thought when the dubbing first started, I was like, oh, no, I can't cope with this. I really can't cope with this. And then I was like, oh, no, actually, this is not too bad. I quite like it. It's actually fine. And and because I've watched both episodes, there's stuff that they say in the dubbed version that is not included in the subtitles because they can't fit all the information in. So actually you get a little bit more emotional level because there's stuff that is said in the dubbing where you get a much bigger, you, you kind of get more what the characters are trying to impart in terms of their emotional, because Korean, the way Korean is spoken and the way we speak English, you know, those sort of, uh, nuances are picked up in tone and tonally it's very different in Korean so you're missing those nuances that are being picked up by people who speak Korean they'll get them but we don't get them and, and on subtitles just can't give you so I wouldn't necessarily I would say listening to it dubbed is not a bad idea actually because you do get a little bit of extra emotional um, impact punch that you miss with the subtitles but then it's, I quite like listening to them talking in their mother tongue what can I tell you I'm, I'm an international lady of leisure. There are some things they were saying, like I was reading some articles about how um, you can't translate completely 100%. There are some mixed, you know, but uh, overall, I, I enjoy the dub. I think the dub is good. If you're the type of person who's watching and doing something at the same time, much like <laughs> Jen's wife, Chloe, and myself, dubbed will take you through. So ne next week, I will have more to impart. I mean, Alison, we'll have to have a chat, obviously, because uh, you've seen the whole thing. I feel, I feel like a... What, what am I doing talking about the first episode? We should get you on to talk about the whole bloody thing. It makes me happy, though, that you're talking about it, right? Something like that. It's a little... Because it's in, it's in my wheelhouse. It's like, I don't know if it's creepy or scary. I think it's scary. Well, I mean, the first episode was pretty full on, I have to say. Would it be too violent for me? Uh, I think you could do it, yeah. I think you'd like it because it's a statement on humans and society and how we are. And I think you would enjoy it. It's not like a horror film with gratuitous violence for the sake of violence. There, There is... There is everything that's happening is happening for a reason. And you uh, are on a journey with 
the protagonist. Alison, let's hear about your horror recommendation. Yes. Yeah, so speaking of imposter syndrome, I actually thought of this movie immediately. It is the horror movie Us by Jordan Peele. Us, the premise of Us is uh, Adelaide Wilson and her family are attacked by mysterious figures dressed in red. Upon closer inspection, the Wilsons realize that the intruders are exact lookalikes of them. Dun, dun, dun. Ah. Uh, yeah. Creepy. So it's like one of these multi, I don't want, I don't want to give too much away, but like multi-dimensional universes more than just one of us out there. And so as far as like imposter goes, I was like, oh yeah, this suits imposter syndrome just great. It's scary. It's a thrill a minute. There is some horrific stuff, but it's more, it's more scary. I don't know if you ever saw The Strangers. I would, I would say it's a little bit like The Strangers where you're like, oh my God, because it's, you know, terrifying this family breaking in, but literally it's so interesting because it's like them, it's them terrorizing them. So it's, it's very fascinating. The ending, there's a real twist that I did not see coming. Danny said he sort of saw it, but I did not see it coming. And um, I'm just, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peele's works. I really have enjoyed everything he's put out there. And Us, to me, was just another huge hit. Great. Thank you so much, uh, Alison. Um, did he do a film with um, that British actor? Get Out. Was he Get Out? Was it Get Out? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was scary as well, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm a big fan of all that he is producing and putting out there really enjoyed his stuff get out was what made me go i am gonna see us and uh, i was not disappointed at all and he produced the most recent um candy man he also did a uh, twilight zone stuff i believe too oh did he what the series okay he's into the world of creepiness and i love it and he acts doesn't he? he's an actor as well yes he? he does because i see yep. him in stuff yeah. Okay. Great. Well, Alison, thank you very much. I might check that out uh, because I do like his stuff, even though it is terrifying. Uh, and that is my worst nightmare is another one of me. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone, Jen. Oh, I know that. Believe me. I think, <laughs> I think uh, that's when Chloe would definitely be. Right. I'm done, actually. There's two of you now. Bye. Okay. Thank you very much, Alison June-Smith. It's time to head over to Maureen Younger because she has a corner that she's whipped up into some cultural formations that we are about to hear from her right now. Here we go. Go for it, Maureen. Let's hear about it. Thank you very much. Of course, it's the corner time that is often cultural, but sometimes just batshit. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that great intro. Uh, Basically, I'm doing music. The reason I thought about this was I was talking to my American friend and I mentioned some bands he'd never heard of them. And I was like, what? So maybe if you're not British and you're not a certain age, you might not have heard of them, but they're great bands. And also I think they're great because they're working class bands. And what you can tell is that uh, a lot of them were influenced by ska or two-tone, which is a mixture of of ska and punk and rock and, and new wave. You can tell it's multicultural Britain now because a lot of the influences are from ska, which is a very popular genre. It's the dominant music genre in Jamaica in the 1960s. And so the sound is very different because these are 
kids that grow often the bands have got uh, black and white people in them but also the white kids have grown up listening to music which a generation before they would never have had access to and they would never have listened because of the way that Britain had, had developed and changed they were now listening to different kinds of music and as a result British music was a lot richer and I, I, I you know there's such different sounds that you would have got from a generation before and it's the music I grew up to and one of my favourite bands of all time is Madness which we talked to Alison Alison had never heard of but what I love about them is that they were unapologetically British because you had a lot of bands in the 70s and 80s who pretended to be American they do like an American draw and you're like mate you know you're from Woking shut up but they were they, they, these lot were like from North London they were from Camden they did great songs like you just always knew recognize a madness song when it came out One Step Beyond Baggy Trousers It Must Be Love which is my favorite Our House and they did great videos if you check out the videos on YouTube they were always a bit weird but they were fun they're just like a really fun group and along with UB40 which was obviously heavily influenced by reggae music they spent a total of 214 weeks on the UK charts between the late 70s and mid 80s they were massive and they're still playing and it's just honestly check them out you will have a real great fun and then we're going moving to coventry with the specials and for one song only even um and then they did other songs obviously too much too young and messages to you rudy but ghost town which is one of the best singles ever produced in this country it's unbelievable it's 40 years old jen but you can still play it today if you if you played it today and you never knew it was from 40 years, you'd think it was a modern... It hasn't aged at all, that song. And what, it was basically, it was castigating Thatcher Britain. So it was about urban decay, unemployment, violence in the inner cities. And at the time, there was riots going on in Britain. So it, the zeitgeist was just perfect. But if you listen to it, like the first few bars of it, it's, there's like no other record like it, is there, Jen? That, that opening sound, and it's just a fantastic. I used to really love that track. And there was um, also, I think there's another band, a two-tone band from Coventry called The Selector. Do you remember oh, The Selector? Oh, yes, with Pauline White. With Pauline, Pauline Black, I think. Was it Pauline Black? That's it, Pauline Black. I loved them. I thought they were great as well. And I think The Selector actually are on tour, actually, at the moment. And the third one, we're going to go to Birmingham now. We've been to London, Coventry, Birmingham, was The Beat which had songs like Can't Get Used to, Lo used to Losing You, Mirror in the Bathroom, I think was our first hit, and Hands Off, She's Mine. And they're just great records. And what I would suggest is have a listen, and if you like them, uh, just and you can afford it, get the album. So at least they get some money out of it, rather than streaming, because streaming they'll get like a penny. But we, and then me and Joe got very excited. Alison was like, what are you talking about? We, we started listening to Bad Manners, didn't we, the other, the other night? Yeah, yeah. Was like, What's that song? What's that Bad Manners song? We had to find Google out. Google it, yeah. We had to Google it, and then we were singing along, and then we were like, oh yeah, the kids are upstairs. Perhaps we should stop. You guys were acting out the video, I think, weren't you? The songs of my childhood, all of these, yeah, yeah. I used to love Madness. In fact, we played um, Madness to the kids and they loved it. We played them Baggy Trousers and they were like, just wandering around the house going, Baggy Trousers, da -da -da -da, Baggy Trousers. Yeah, I mean, they're so much fun. I think what I like about them, they're not manufactured pop. These are bands that got together, they were mates. They loved, they obviously loved music. You can tell from the from the way they've, they've produced their songs. And that, you know, they're real proper bands, I suppose. Not, you know, five people that have been brought together from by some... Simon, what is, whatever his name is. So yeah, I would definitely check those bands out. They are of their time, but they are also timeless, I think. A lot of the music is completely timeless, but politically of their time. Maureen Younger, thank you very much for your cultural corner. I don't want to lose my shit over... Okay, this is it. Right, let's go. It's happening now. I cannot handle this.
And we are rushing close to the end of the episode, but it would not be a full episode if we did not hear about what is getting Jen's goat this week. Jen, what's got your goat? Uh, what's got my goat this week? Well, I, I mean, look, there is, everything gets my goat, doesn't it? So, I mean, this, 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 this is a moot point in this part of the show, isn't it? For me to go, what has got my goat? Everything, everything gets my goat. I get my own goat, actually. <laughs> Let's, I'll put that out there. I find myself annoying. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I am reactionary, I am dogmatic, I am confrontational, I am annoying. I'm annoying. This week, I have got my own goat. It, <laughs> it was going to happen eventually. It was going to happen eventually. It was. It, it's actually incredible that it's taken this long for me to get on my own nerves. But I've done it. I've done it this week. I have absolutely peaked. I was listening to a podcast today. It's on The Guardian the Guardian have their own podcast, um, which is I, I, I listen to every morning because I just find it quite relaxing to listen to it while I'm having a cup of coffee. A little bit of politics in the morning. Why not? Thank you very much. Basically talking about how this idea of the manufacturing of panic for the petrol crisis has suited the government. And they had a, a psychologist on there, a sociological, psychological, blah, 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 blah. Do you know the Maureen's nodding? She knows. A professional talking about how the idea of panic who started the idea of the petrol crisis panic was it the government by any chance and the idea is that actually people were behaving in a quite normal way once being told that there might not be petrol and that it's almost impossible for people to fill up like 16 tanks of petrol do you know what I mean that actually maybe there's a fuel crisis because we have an absolutely appalling government so I've got my goat in my sort of angry reactionary way uh, and may I say probably quite sort of uh, moralizing. There we go. I've got my goat, but also I'm willing to put my hands up when I'm wrong. There we go. I've done it. So I, I might have been wrong last week and I'll admit it. So this week, WTB listeners, I have got my own goat. There we are. I've done it. I've said it. and I apologise. And there we go. Let's just move on so that next week we've got a clean slate and I can start back at the beginning. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah, yes, sure. Yes, Jen. <laughs> Women talking bollocks. If you enjoyed today's episode, then why not subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, like us, leave a wonderful message saying how much you enjoy our dulcet tones, particularly mine. <laughs> Will that do? Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.